0: And welcome to season four of FM Forward, where you'll get two seasons for the price of one. I'm your host, Jackie Falla. And in the first series, we'll pair a student and an FM professional to explore all you student listeners out there should know before accepting your first position. We'll also discuss what pros wished that they had known, learned, or been warned about when they first started in the profession. The second series will tackle the tough topic of climate change and the ways in which we'll have to adapt our buildings, spaces, and places to sustain our planet and the health and well being of our employees. Thank you all for being here. I'm so excited to welcome Steve Ballard and Andrew McElman. Um, for our final of four episodes on an FM professional slash student uh, foray into what it's going to be like once uh, the student gets into the industry. So we are um, excited to welcome Steve, who has been at the Country Club in Chestnut Hill for 31 years. Um, Started his um, education at Wentworth before matriculating to um, Northeastern and studying uh, civil engineering. And Andrew, you are coming to us from Mass Maritime where you're a senior and you're, um, you're seeking your candidacy for a BS in facilities management. Correct. Thank you so much. I will hand it over to you um, and try not to interrupt too much, but I am a curious sort. So apologize in advance if there's something that I feel that I just have to know.
1: Oh, you can correct us, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the pro,
0: Steve, and, I don't and know. Andrew has a pretty structured background coming from a a, a military institution. So um, I think I'm really on the outskirts um, in my career as a a writer for a construction management company, but (laughs) I'll I'll try to hold my own.
1: I'm sure you will.
2: Okay, so um, Steve, I just had a few questions for you. The first one is, what was your path to your current role as Director of Facilities at the Country Club?
1: Well, back in the ancient time, there was no facility management programs at any schools. So unlike today, even in uh, engineering, there's many uh, different um, diverse sections that you can uh, um, concentrate in. So... um, I always knew I wanted to do something that uh, was with buildings. Um, So I did go to Wentworth for uh, building uh, construction technology, which uh, is another program today that doesn't exist at Wentworth. Um, And from there I went to uh, Northeastern for civil engineering. And uh, what was intriguing about that is the the co-op program they had there. And I believe even Mass Maritime has co-op programs, which I can't speak enough of highly, more highly about um, than the co-op prog- programs that are offered at different colleges around the country and universities. Um, so from there, I got, co- I was uh, lucky enough to get a, some very nice co-op jobs. I got one is a uh, working with a surveyor uh, for one term. Actually, I think it was probably two terms, and then uh, I was lucky enough to. Uh, uh, worked after that with uh, two uh, very good commercial contractors. Um, and uh, at the end, I ended up uh, working for uh, Aberthaw Construction for nine years back in the um, 80s. Um, and at that time, Aberthaw was uh, in the top uh, 200. Um, commercial contractors in the United States with offices from Boston to the West Coast and as far south as Florida. Um, and uh, this is uh, the position in facility management really came by default. Uh, I applied, the country club was looking for a, um, a project manager to run, um, uh, to oversee some capital improvements after they had done a uh, study consultant had come in and done a study of uh, capital needs for the club and uh they recommended that the club hire a um a project uh, manager to run it uh it was the it was a time where uh construction was dying because of some uh, savings and loan issues with the banks back in the early 90s and i was fortunate enough to um um been hired for that position. And uh, it was originally a, uh, believe it or not, it was a two year position. And the only reason I went on the interview was I hadn't been on one in nine years and figured that my time was coming that I was going to have to interview. So I figured I would take an interview for this position as practice.
0: Um, And 31 years later.
1: I'm still here. so it's really it's one where being in the right place at the right time um, and a little bit of luck so uh, there was not a uh, there was a department that they called building and maintenance Um, it consisted of three individuals um, and it was uh, they uh, didn't have uh, a uh, real technical background there was only one older gentleman that was kind of we called him Mister Fix It. He could uh, he could do the best patches I've ever seen, um, but there was no real preventative maintenance. There was no foresight. It was just um, how many dikes could you plug in a day? And uh, as uh, when I started, uh, kind of tried to uh, well, I ended up doing it. But uh, what I did is um, when I first started, I um, Tried to educate everyone on uh, what the department really could be and the money that could be saved by bringing a lot of talented uh, professions professionals into the into and become part of an employee in a robust facility department. And so uh, 31 years later, we're almost there. Well, that,
2: uh, I can definitely understand that the uh, the pats are not always direct. To these positions?
1: They're not and uh, some of it um, you know as I'm sure you're going to find out um, in the near future sometimes when you uh, have an idea of what a position or, um, or what you want to do um, and you accept a job you find out that uh, it's 50% of what you expected or it's 100% and 100% wrong for you and um it's really you know i encourage people to to take a position that uh, they enjoy coming to work every day in Um, as i tell most of my staff we probably spend and jackie probably can uh, can to this we probably spend more time waking hours with our um with our fed um, our fellow workers than we do with our in our own social life
0: that's actually really it's true and you really
2: have to come into my second question too was um actually uh how is your staff constructed at the country club as in do you have in-house ground crews versus outsourced uh are you in
1: charge of the dining
2: club etc things of that nature
1: so one of the unique things here at a At the country club, especially in this part of the country is you think of a country club where there's only one building um, and the rest of it's a golf course there may be a tennis court there may be a pool. Um, This is a very large facility it almost resembles a small um, Community college uh, with the amount of structures that we have so we've got about 12 substantial buildings with a total of about 250,000 square feet of building area. And our largest structure is fifty thousand square feet. Um, so um, we, the department, the facilities department, as I tell everyone, we handle everything that doesn't grow. Um, so we are in charge, basically, of all of the um, all of the structures and all of the utilities. Um, and again, depending on the facilities that you're in. Um, each facility department that you'll go to will will be shaped differently. Their perspective and their responsibilities will be different. Um, and I guess what the best thing to do is you try to take and devise or, or put together the department that best serves the facility in the different departments and the users um, with within the corporation that you're in. Um, and there is no right or wrong. Or, what it comes down to is providing the best value for the corporation you possibly can. So um, we have uh, in the department here, we have uh, two electricians, two carpenters, a couple of painters. Um, I have a uh, an assistant um, now. I did not have an assistant until 2016. Um, and we have a project coordinator. Um, who kind of uh does a little bit of everything he helps out well, the assistant he helps out myself he's responsible for certain aspects um and he's also uh, responsible for um as built uh maintaining the as built on the property um and then the other thing that's a little different here is uh, most of our buildings have different uses so a lot of buildings are a lot of play a lot of um corporations or a lot of institutions. A lot of the buildings are similar. If you go to a college, you have a lot of dorms, you have a lot of labs, you have a lot of um, um, classroom space, and then you have administration offices. Every single building here is different. Our Main clubhouse building is functions and kitchens. Uh, We have indoor tennis buildings. We have a curling rink, which is basically an ice rink um uh, we have skeet shooting facility we have a um uh, an aquatic wow, center so we have uh we have a skating pond um that if the winter if the weather in new england got colder we would skate more on the pond but there are three buildings along the pond that uh they're like log cabins that you would think you're in the middle of the woods up in maine or new hampshire somewhere um we have squash um, and we have a fitness center. So each one of them has its own um, specifics that you that we need to attend to. Um, and, um, you know, it's a seven-day-a-week operation also. So unlike commercial buildings, uh, we are open seven days a week. Um, the department is staffed seven days a week. And so I've got uh, six, to six people, basically, that staff this department six, days, seven days a week, which in some ways is challenging. When I first started, there was only four of us staffing seven days a week. So we've 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 come a long way. The staffing is just about right now. We've got a good system in place. Um, About 85% um, of the non-capital requirements are done with in-house staff with respect to repairs and equipment replacement. Um, The golf course and anything that does grow uh, is a separate department. It's the agronomy department, uh, which maintains the golf course. They maintain all the plantings. They put in all the flowers in the spring and the summer. We are not in charge of dining, uh, but we are responsible for all of the kitchen equipment in three kitchens. So we do all the preventative maintenance, we do all the repairs, and uh, we're in charge of uh, um, equipment replacement. We do the purchasing, we do the specs, we do uh, and we schedule and do all the logistics to get things repaired, uh, replaced.
0: So Steve, you you mentioned as-built and I'm not sure, Andrew, are you familiar with what those are?
1: Um, I assume they meant pre-existing buildings? No, what they are, Andrew, it's basically we take the documents that we had when the building was constructed. And as we make changes, we change the documents to represent the changes that physically took place over the years so one of the requirements for the project my project um, coordinator is the ability to um, operate CAD, um, so that we can make those changes we also do um, we do a little bit of planning for functions where we may put a plan together for seating in a room or um, you know there's instances where we'll put tents up on property so we'll do the layout of where the tents Is going to be so people can get an understanding of how where the service entrances are, you know how many people they can fit inside the tent, where the exits are, and stuff like that.
0: And those drawings act as like a roadmap. If one of the twelve buildings that are on the property need to be renovated or there's a proposed addition to it, that's a roadmap for the architect and the builder to know where everything is. And it helps to eliminate the surprises that often come from not having um, up-to-date drawings.
1: And it's a safeguard for if I got hit by a bus going home at night.
0: It is. Because, you know, over the years, you know, a, a facility like yours does you know, dozens and dozens and dozens every year, um, repairs, replacements of systems, and all of those things have to get updated, or um, it can be, you know, a real mess. When, when somebody that has the institutional knowledge that you have, Steve, um, leaves, it, it's a challenge even when you do have that documentation.
1: And I think something that's, as you mentioned that Jackie, something that uh, has been at the forefront for the past three or four years, and that we're, you know, I started planning for about three years ago is there's four of us in the department uh, with 135 years of experience, which in today's world is almost unheard of and uh, i just suffered uh my first uh, battle scar with that one i had um i had a painter that uh, had been here for 33 years i was hoping he would be here until the fall and in january he decided to retire oh boy so um we have i got through the hump so far um and then being in facility management, Andrew, you're going to find out that uh, you always need to plan B. Uh, no matter how well you plan, you always need a plan B. So you'll learn never to put all your eggs in one basket. And um, that is a uh, normal operating procedure. So uh, not only do we have our own painters, but I have an alliance with a couple of painting firms that uh, we've used for many years. So when something like this happens and I still need to get things done, it's a simple phone call. Uh, They're here, you know, they may blast the painters that I have here now that I just called in been here three years ago, but it's like they never skipped a beat. They knew where the paint was. They knew what they needed to do. They needed very little direction, which helps a lot.
2: Understood. Have a plan B, good advice.
1: because I tell you, Plan A only works 50% of the time.
2: Um, My fourth question is, how did COVID-19 affect your duties as director of facilities? And was there a major decline in member presence at the country club or on the course itself?
1: Um, It's interesting. That's an interesting question. And you know, I've looked at this one since you had, Sent these out a little earlier. Um, I think everything that you do, it's it's within it. it it's a the COVID nineteen is more of a, and it, and it's a real thing. But how it's addressed, I don't think anybody really understood how to address it in the beginning. So everybody was um, kind of formulating what they believed to be the best um, way to proceed for their particular organization. So. One of the uh, things that we did, um, we uh, actually closed the facility for four weeks. We actually closed it a little longer. We locked it down for four weeks. So the first week um, that, the, uh, that the world closed down, I actually came in every day. Um, I started um, shutting our scaling back systems. Uh, my entire staff was um, told to stay home. And then from week second two through week five, we um, the club actually has employee housing on site. We house thirty two employees that live here. That's their permanent residence. Um, So we had volunteers that stayed on site that promised not to go outside of the um, the boundaries of the property line. and they kind of watched over well the world and the club figured out what the next steps would be Uh, what we ended up doing is we put in safety protocols for cleaning Uh, we spaced out tables for dining Uh, we started to do takeout in the beginning Um, when the state allowed the golf courses to reopen we did reopen our golf course it was an outside event Um, everybody felt safe And we actually had more golf rounds in 20, when did COVID hit? 2019, right? I'm losing track. 20, March 2020. 2020, okay. So in 2020, we had the most golf rounds in in 2020 season um, than we've ever had here at the club uh, because nobody could do anything else. So everybody, all the members wanted to come out and, and play golf. That's amazing. It really is. We ended up opening the pool facility up in the middle of July. And what we did is we uh, created uh, 12-foot circular pods. So a member could sign up for two hours and occupy a pod for two hours. Um, And we did it on a rotational basis. Uh, Membership was very appreciative of the club doing that. We had a few that was disgruntled and basically those that were disgruntled were the ones that showed up when it either rained for those two hours or there was no sun during those two hours. Um, But it was uh, oversubscribed um, for every week for the remainder of the summer. Um, But again, they were appreciative to do that. Uh, We have four outdoor tennis courts also, so they did play tennis outdoors. Um, And then as we get into the fall, you know, the whole world kind of figured out how to deal with COVID, so we gradually tried to get back to normal as best we could. Um, just like all of the restaurants in Boston, we we had people eating out on the porch decks until probably late December. Um, people were just going a different back in. world, Steve. That's- it certainly was, um, and to a degree, some of those. Um, some of those aspects still remain. We still have people today that are members that uh, will only eat outside. They mm-hmm. won't eat inside and and that's fine. And we've kind of de- adapted and enhanced that to a degree. We did upgrade our HVAC systems. We put uh, bipolar ionization in all, our, uh, our, all of our HVAC systems that we could, uh, that made people feel a lot better. We bought... Um, units that you could put in the member spaces in addition so that people could see that something was actually being done to help um, collect the virus or the bacteria or clean the air, however they wanted to think of it. Um, But there was a lot of um, those type of uh, units on the market. Um, We bought one that was, uh, we think was Works very well with uh, little maintenance uh, that went along with it. That's great.
0: Did you expand your outdoor seating as a result of the pandemic?
1: Um, we didn't really expand it. We enhanced what we had, so we didn't fully use what we had, what we could do outside because there wasn't a need to. But um, now that uh, when COVID hit, everybody wanted to eat outside. So we made the accommodation in areas where we normally wouldn't have done it, of which we continue to do them in those areas today. Um, And then last summer, we actually uh, put a tent up on our center circle, our oval. and we did that because when we committed to put the tent up in the beginning of twenty January of 21, we didn't know what the summer was going to be like. And the day that the tent was put up was the day that we kind of went back to normal for eating inside again. Uh-huh. Um, we did keep it up. There were some events that people would only uh, book the event outside uh, in that tent. Um, so it became useful. Um, it didn't get as much use as as we thought it would, just because the the um, criterias changed in the spring on um, on what you could do inside. So the club really tried to accommodate um, as many members as they could um, through the past two years. Um, and uh, for the most part, the membership has been very appreciative of that.
0: As you moved into the hybrid uh, situation, Steve, did you have did, did you find that you were putting on more events that you were you know toggling back between the outdoor and indoor, and did that put additional stressors on your facilities team?
1: No, it really doesn't, be, because we our our um, event capacity is based on kitchen capacity. Oh, I see. So if we don't didn't if we book the outside event, that means something inside didn't get um, didn't get booked. Um, we tried to book events that were smaller in size, and even a lot of a lot of people would not book events that had more than probably 30 people to it Uh, because what you what we found was is if someone was planning to have a say they were having a birthday party and planning 100 people to invite 100 people in the end only about 30 would commit to coming if they invited 100 or 120 to it because Mm -hmm. people just felt uncomfortable associating with that many people sure that, yeah. makes, that makes sense. So um, we really haven't been under a normal operation since 2019. Our, our February, our really, you know, probably February of 19. It's understandable, because like I know, I
2: know that running somewhere like the country club, COVID's going to affect your job and the facility itself more than it's going to affect let's say a corporation in, in town for an actual company instead of for you know a membership in this
1: country club? I, th- I, think, I think what happens though, Andrew, is I think it affects anybody in facilities that's gonna affect, it's just to what degree and to what avenue it affects it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of facility managers that are in downtown office buildings, that are reinventing spaces while nobody is there Um, i'm sure there's other ones that you know the tenant is decided their lease may be up at you know during the past two years so they're trying to reconfigure the space to accommodate what the new outlook on office space is you know you still have to maintain the systems within the building that's never going to stop you still have to do your preventative maintenance you're still going to need to replace equipment that's um, at the end of its useful life because it's just gonna cost you too much to continue to repair it. And you really can't stop running a lot of this equipment. It will affect the building, you know, in a very short time frame. And you know, there I are think- things
0: like Legionnaires disease and a whole, you know, you can, the pandemic can decide to arrive and everybody can evacuate the buildings, but the buildings still live and breathe.
1: Co- correct. You know, that, you know, in some of your systems, your fire alarm systems, you still need to maintain. You still have to have your inspections done, your sprinkler systems, your elevator inspections. All of those still continue, even if nobody's occupying the building. And then, you know, the other thing that goes with it that we've all seen, in, in, no matter where we've been, is the amount of people that retired, you know, there's been a lot of people that uh, were still working that were of retirement age or there were people working that, were con- that weren't that quite of age, but considering early retirement. And a lot of people had a, um, you know, change in lifestyle over the past two years, so in a lot of facility departments, you may not have filled some of the positions that were left with that became vacant. And Andrew, I think you're probably well aware that uh, there's more facility positions open than uh, graduates that are coming out of school. Definitely. You know, so I I think the, you know, this particular uh, profession um, will always be needed and um, it's just like the trades, you know, um how do you attract people into these professions because they're 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 great professions um in my mind they are at least and then um you can make it you know you can make a very comfortable living doing them
2: steve i was under the impression that the country club was just one building pretty much as a facility. everybody does
1: andrew don't feel yeah. bad
2: so I, I I did a little bit of research and 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 looked up the original building was built in 1913 I think it had said, and I was pretty much just going to ask the question of how do you achieve efficiency with an older building like that and the updates and renovations needed to keep the building up to code and everything like that.
1: So the 1915 building that you did your research on was our is our locker building. Okay. And um, so our oldest building actually is our clubhouse. Um, I'm just trying to go off memory. It is our clubhouse at this point. It was uh, an old farmhouse when the club was established in 1882. It had two major expansions in 1903 and another one in 1908. And um, it was, um Uh, a little bit of renovation work from 1908 up until 1994. And then we did a major renovation of uh, systems, um, MEPs, uh, expanded the kitchen a little bit and reconfigured some of the rooms on the second and third floors in 94, um, but the structure still stands the way it is. Um, But I'm gonna go back to the, the 1915 building, which is our locker building. Mm-hmm. So one of the interesting aspects that ties into the COVID uh, piece is in um, in June, in in August of 21 uh, 1920 in August of, ni- of 19 of 2020, August of, of 2020, we had, the club had plans on um, renovating the locker building. We were going to uh, put a small addition on and renovate it because it had not been renovated since it was built in 1915. Wow. And I was word... gonna
0: say the 1994 building, your original farmhouse building needs to be renovated. It's almost been 30 years.
1: Well, Jackie, we have started the planning process for that building to go under a, a major renovation, um, which right now is projected to start in 2026 and be a two-year project. Wow. Um, so we we'll go back to the locker building. When COVID hit in March, we had, um, just sent out construction documents for final pricing. And when COVID hit, the club wasn't sure they were going to proceed with the locker building renovation project. And it was a project that we really needed to do for the US Open we're holding in June of this year. Oh, wow. Um, And it was one that we needed to start in 2020 um, just because of the magnitude of that project. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had, two meetings a week for eight weeks and very unorthodox, we had a risk management where the membership or uh, well, the Board of Governors and the Facilities Committee, we all discussed on the risks for the next week um, because at that point, all the construction had also been shut down due to COVID. And we weren't sure whether we were going to be able to start up, whether there were going to be enough um, enough labor force to do it. Um, and we we really did not want to get in a predicament where we started the project and could not finish it, or it couldn't be finished in the time frame we needed it. Yeah. So we ended up taking and um, signing off on the buyouts, the construction buyouts on a weekly basis, depending on what subcontractor needed to stop shop drawings and, and delivery times of materials. And we did that for another eight weeks. And when, wow. we, when we get to May, when we get to May, the beginning of May, We had enough information and felt confident enough that we pulled the trigger on the construction project and asked the contractor not to start in August, but to start on June 1. And it was a good decision that we did make because um, it allowed us to get material orders in sooner because as the summer of 2020 went on, materials were becoming more scarce to um, secure. Um, It did play havoc a little bit with the schedule because we were moving faster than we could get materials in. And as you can imagine, in the 1915 building, we found a lot of surprises. Um, Welcome to the club. Yeah, exactly. Um, But we did finish it. Unintended. and we finally completed, it was projected to be completed in the spring of 21, and we we actually opened at the end of August of last year, I'm sorry, in the spring of 22, we actually opened in the, uh, August of 22, last fall, last, uh, late last summer. Of
0: 21, yeah. That, congratulations. That's, um, I'm sure everybody was, Um, holding their breath a little bit, because there were so many uncertainties, um, as as there still are, as it relates to supply chain and and labor force and and whatnot. Um, Now, Andrew didn't ask this, but I'm assuming that um, you spearhead all of those capital projects and act as the owner's um, project representative that you don't hire somebody out to do that. So that's a a lot of responsibility.
1: um, I do act, I am the forefront of the stuff on site. Um, We have gotten a little smarter and um, I will admit I'm getting a little older and a little slower. Um, So on this particular project, we actually hired a um, outside owner's project manager. Uh, He's a single individual, he works for himself, Um, him and I are about the same age, Um, we have the same mindset, so we acted as kind of um, in tandem, Uh, he was a great help, Um, he came once a week to walk the site, to attend some of the meetings, Um, I was uh, the eyes and the ears on site, Um, we worked very well together, and he's going to continue on. Uh, In fact, um, there are some other projects that we're doing, smaller ones, that uh, him and I still collaborate on and uh, very much involved with. Um, If I go back a little bit from here, um, in 2016, we had a 1894 stables building that um, was in dire need of a lot of help. Um, it was in, uh, as, a, as the name more is, stables, it was a stables building that was uh, took on many different usages from 1894. And in 2016, the club decided to um, finally tear it down and rebuild a new building in that, in that um, same footprint. That is actually our new fitness center. It's a 25,000 square foot fitness center with two golf oh, wow. simulators in it um i did not have help at that point that's how i got a an assistant director at that point because not only did um, i have that going on uh, the club um, decided to do three major projects after we started that project um, after i told them that we had no capacity and it was a, a pretty interesting once a year we go through a budget process and uh that budget process, I as you can imagine, I was pretty fired up. So uh, it was amazing. A day after that budget process, I was told to hire an assistant as soon as possible. That's not the time to hire an assistant, though, when you're in the middle of a fire. Um, but um, I lucked out. I did. I did get one. And uh, he's been with me since He's he's been a great addition. Um, so, um, but we did complete the stables project. We actually opened, uh, we started in March of 16 and we completed it in, um, uh, we opened it in August of 17, two, uh, 2017.
0: Wow. The Country Club really is uh, an amazing example of how varied an FM's role can be within an organization. I mean, I I had no idea, I I don't think Andrew did either, that you housed people um, on the campus and and you had so many different buildings. It is indeed um, like a mini campus. And to be running um, multiple renovation and deferred maintenance projects simultaneously on top of all of those other responsibilities um, is a huge, huge um, workload to carry. Um, it's, it's fascinating, and I think um, I know I've, I've gotten a good sense of um, what you're doing there. We have time for about one more question. Andrew, is there um, one that is that you really want to make sure you get in?
2: Um, yes. So. My last one will just be, what advice would you give engineering students trying to acquire facilities management job coming out of school in terms of job hunting?
1: I would just say take and, um, you know, you, you need to take and keep. There's many different avenues today of where job postings are, and uh, there's pretty good descriptions. Um, I think you really got to take and decide what intrigues you. Um in the positions you want to apply for. Um, and um, I would ask a lot of questions in the interview on what experience you're going to get. Um, there's a lot of facility management jobs where you're going to do one thing every single day. Um, personally, that's not one that I would ever take. I want the variety. I want to be able to continue to learn. And most facility management jobs, you will be able to learn something on a weekly basis, if not daily. It's it's ever-changing. Whatever I can tell you, whatever I plan for to do tomorrow, it's never going to be 100% perfect. It's going to change at some point. It may change overnight. It may change at noontime tomorrow. But it will change. But there's a lot of people that are very comfortable in doing the same thing. There's some corporations where there's one individual that just runs the building management system there's positions where some people just oversee the um the uh, work order system um but the as a as a as a graduating student i would definitely take and gravitate to the to the positions that offer the most variety and some people find that maybe overwhelming um it's all up to personal preference um there and it, is more it's gonna that,
0: provide you an opportunity if you have a position like yours, Steve, to see if there's a an area of specialty that you want to be in.
1: Correct. You know, I've got um, you know, even my project, my project uh, coordinator position, they get their hands on many different things. Um I used to, um, that position, I had set it up to be a three to five year position. Um, So every three to five years, I encouraged the person that was in that position to go pursue a a higher level position in facility management. Um, I have kind of changed that uh, mindset because it's more and more difficult to fill it, number one. And the amount of knowledge that they gain and what they do in that three to five years becomes um, very difficult to retrain every three to five years. Um, But it is a position that is uh, typically one that people will only stay for a certain amount of time. And once they feel that they've um, gained the knowledge they were looking for or the experience, they do move on, which is fine. I mean, that's... It's the way it's set up. Uh, In fact, I had just lost back in December, um, a person that had been in it for about three years. Uh, He used to drive an hour, about an hour and 15 minutes to come to work. He thought he was gonna retire. He had told me he was never leaving until another firm five minutes from his house offered him the same position for the same money. And I couldn't compete with an hour and 15 minute drive. So, you know, it, it it Andrew, I would just go after whatever really intrigues you, but I would definitely go after a position where you can learn and not get stuck into doing the, not getting into a monotonous uh, repetitive um, position. Great, thank you. I think that's great advice.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, both of you for being here with us today it's it's been a really interesting conversation I learned so much about the country club and and the facilities that you run there and wow to have built it up from really not even knowing that there was a facilities management profession and only having a a few folks on staff to what you've done today um is a really a tribute to um, to the profession, to you for um, the care and stewardship um, of really a historic property. And it's been fascinating to learn a little about it. So thank you.
1: No, you're welcome. I think, Jackie, I think it goes back with the whole facility management. I think facility management in the last 30 or 40 years is come a long way, and it's being recognized more and more by the uh, C-suite and many corporations, yes. you know, and it's um, it's good to see that because there is a tremendous amount of value in the structures that these corporations either, either lease or own.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you.
2: Thank Where you are? for having me. Thank you both. Thank you, Steve, for answering my questions. I learned a lot as well. And uh, thank you for coordinating everything, Jackie.